everybody. Yep. Welcome to a new episode of Double Feature Versus, our first episode of the year here. Well, our first episode covering, you know, in 2024. Uh, I am your co-host, Black Cinephile. And I'm your co-host, Brad. There's your co-host, Brad, right there. And on this one, we've... Um, we got one that coincides with the newest uh, Netflix uh, release, Society of the Snow. We're uh, covering two films today that are, um, you know, covering the uh, the uh, the Andes crash, the Andes crash in 1972, um, the Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571 that crashed into the Andes Mountains. We got 1993 Alive versus uh, Society of the Snow, um, which just recently came out on uh, Netflix. Yeah, and both of these movies basically follow the same premise of the events of that Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571, which mm. is a pretty famous, you know, a case of people actually surviving a plane crash that happens in one of these remote areas. I believe this is actually the first time that anybody has survived a plane crash that happened in the Andes Mountains. When this mm. first occurred, if I recall correctly, uh, you might be right. I, I don't. I don't know about that. I just know, I knew about the flight disaster through when I first saw it live. So like, this is like my second time watching a live for this podcast. First time was like, I'm gonna say a few years ago, post college, and I was like, oh, that that's something that actually really happened. That was my kind of like, um, that's how I kind of learned about it. Okay. Okay. But uh, yeah, I think uh, it's it's best for us to kind of just jump right into this one because uh, that these oh. are a couple very interesting movies here that tell this story. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I I would agree with you on that. So I think on this one here, um, because Society of the Snow, you know, we got a thing where you know Alive was made back in the day where we uh. We 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 passed uh, you know two Hollywood actors such as Ethan Hawke and um, who's my man? Uh, who's the other guy? Matt Lucas as a Uruguayan, and you know you get away with that back then, but uh, you know nowadays with Society of the Snow, you know we we got like a like an authentic cast that um, you know um, well I, I say it's an authentic cast that's uh based on you know the actual nationality of um the the people who were involved in the crash. So I think to go from where we came from to where we are now, I think we should start off with a live. Oh yeah, I definitely agree. All right, perfect, perfect. All right, so starting off with Alive, uh 1993 film um directed by Frank Marshall, uh written by John Patrick Shanley. So pretty much, you know, this film covers as we said the um the uh the Andes crash of the uh the Uruguayan Air Force flight uh you know 571 and um you know crash into the Andes mountains we have a um a group of uh you know uh rugby team members who were aboard this uh, aboard this flight along with some uh relatives and friends so the film is narrated by John Malkovich who uh plays a uh present day older version of um you know uh, uh Carlitos Payas, who's, um, you know, narrating the film. Now, um, in regards to that, right? So this is a film where it's, it's pretty straightforward. It's, it's, a, it's a plane crash in the mountains, and it's all about survival. And it's about, you know, kind of like their journey of trying to survive, uh, unfortunately resorting to cannibalism, and, you know, just trying to carry on that, that human will to uh, persevere. That in a nutshell is alive. Now, have you? This is my second time seeing this film. Have you seen this film before? This was my first time watching this movie. I had known of this movie and the events of the movie mostly because of the cannibalism in order to survive and it being a huge kind of topic of like, was it worth what they did or was it really required? And it's like, yeah, it, mm. they survived doing what they needed to do. But absolutely. When it comes to this movie, this is the first time I've actually sat down and watched it. Okay, okay. So the thing about this movie right here is right. You see, you got to take into account it's 1993, right? Like I said, you got Ethan Hawke and Josh Lucas casting these roles, and you know, for the sake of Hollywood having to make a movie made, you kind of got to have 
back then in the 90s. You didn't have to, but in order for you to get back in, you had to have American actors that people could relate to. I guess it was a little too ballsy back then to have a authentic, you know, cast that's in line with the nationality of the real life survivors. But with a film like this, right, I I um I like the way, you know, Frank Marshall handles the material. You you know, you start off very somber with John Malkovich saying like, you know, um hey, anytime someone walks into me, they say, "Oh, man, I, I don't know what I would have done in your in your position. You're you're braver than me or something like that." And he goes, he, he laughs because he's like, "Well, you don't know what you would do until you're actually put in that situation." Mm-hmm. And that kind of like, you know, leads to like the theme of the film. It's like these are these are just ordinary young boys. You know, they're 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 everyday boys. They play rugby, they have fun. They're thrown into a situation where they have to grow up real quick and it's about survival, right? Everybody's, you know, um, you know, trying to be not trying to be the leader, but everyone's trying to be strong and everything like that, but when the reality the situation hits and you're like, dude, we have to survive. What are we going to do out here? Even the leader of the rugby team kind of loses his his mind at one point. Like, you know, I'm supposed to be the natural leader. You guys are eating up all the rations thinking, you know, at one point they see a, a plane thinking it's going to save them. Um, he says, you know, I, I'm, I'm tired of being the leader. I'm, I'm about to lose my mind. It's uh, these people, these kids go through the ringer and they grow up really fast. Oh, yeah. Well, they're literally the way that the movie begins and everything like that with the monologue is a very like somber way to start such a catastrophic kind of event that's about to happen. And as we're watching, like on the airplane and everything, you you get to see them being who they are, which is kids. They're, They're throwing a ball around the plane. They're kind of being rambunctious. You have the pilots being like, you got to calm them down to, you know, everybody and being like, we're about to land, you know, get your seatbelts on, sit down, you know, everything like that. And then as it's, you know, the plane's going down, you have this horrible thing of just watching as everything goes wrong. And even for a movie in the 90s and everything, it, it does a fantastic job of bringing you into that plane as it's going down of just oh, the yeah. sheer panic that's going on. Yeah. It's it shot very great. well. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it's a very, like, intense moment. Like, you're seeing the, the seats crash upon each other. Mm-hmm. You're seeing people fall, you know, that, that don't have their seatbelt on. It's it's intense, it's, especially for a 90s film. Um, I would say I feel like the the moment of like realism that comes immediately after they crash. Uh, you got two of the boys that come up to the pilot, who's you know almost dead. He's like, you know, I, I he, he keeps saying to them like, my pocket, my my bag. They's like, uh, what's in your bag? He says, my my gun. You know, he wants to. He would rather kill himself than have to like die slowly like this. And you right. see the kid kind of go, oh sir, we don't we don't want to be we don't want to have any part of that. You know, it, it it dawns on them that this is serious. You know, oh, what yeah. I mean, you got a you got you got one dead pilot. You got a pilot that's about to die. The transmitter radio isn't going. Um, the machine operator is a little mad. You know, uh, you're in a serious situation here. Oh yeah, I it it definitely with everybody's acting and everything like that. It, Everybody that was cast in this did perfectly in trying to get together that like sheer terror that all these people had. And mm-hmm. the way that it's written is even though they couldn't have gotten the dialogue one for one for everything that happens, everybody right, feels right, right. real when it comes to the dialogue of them yelling at each other, them being mad at other people, them being mad at themselves, you know, and you have you know, characters like the doctor who's kind of just so involved with trying to help people in order right. to escape the fact of the reality of what they're in. And you have, you know, some of the other characters that constantly are like, dude, you have to do something to, you know, save yourself. And he's just like, no, right. I, I got to save these people. It's like, you are also a person that needs to be saved. You can worry about yourself as well. And it's like, I love those interactions that they have throughout this movie of showing just how human they are, where everybody has their own way of coping about what's going on. Yeah. And, and you got you also got those moments where they remember to like kind of laugh, too. Right. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're still boys. So they, they, they make jokes with each other. And, um, 
you know, at one point, uh, you know, one of the guys uh, comes out and uh, kind of says to them, and it, this is another great moment in the, um, the, 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 the other film we're going to talk about later, where he comes out the leader because he was so against eating people, right? Eating, eating the dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was just against it. And then, you know, he goes like, hey, you know, if I die, you know, you guys can like eat my remains. You have my permission. And, you know, everyone kind of like smiles and laughs about it and, you know, makes a joke out of it. But at the same time, you know, the main thing about it is, um, you know, they, they still remember to be human throughout all of this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing is you have this giant decision to make as they're running out of food. And they definitely have like desperation because during the actual event and everything like that, they had run so low on food that they were starting to like pick apart the seats and try and eat the cotton that was in them. They were trying to get any nutrition out of the leather from their own belts, like anything because they had completely run dry on food. And it wasn't until like a week later that they kind of had to come to the conclusion of that is their only option. And you, you have this movie where, they show that desperation. They don't go quite as in detail as the actual events for it, but you still right. get that like desperation of all of them going like that. That's wrong. We shouldn't do that. You know, what will people think? And it's like, well, what are they going to think if we're dead? And does it make yeah. a difference? And I like how there's a serious conversation, right? Because oh, yeah. these are, um, these, these boys go to a Christian school as well. So there's like serious conversations about faith, like, well, if the body's dead, is the soul still in there or has it lifted up? Like, like what what are we really talking about here? We're talking about a corpse. Oh, you know, God wouldn't want this. He says, well, I don't. How would you know that? Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't you think God would want you to do everything you got to do to survive? Wouldn't you think he'd understand? Like, they have serious conversations about this. It's not about like one guy being a villain saying, I'm going to eat. Right. I don't care what y'all say. No, it's a it's a reasonable human discussion they have. Right. And I, I will say, like, everything that these people went through is absolutely horrible. And yeah. the idea of, like, having to have those conversations, it's rough. And the fact that somebody had to, like, take those conversations and be like, okay, so we got to write what these conversations would be like. And I think they nailed it for this. Because it feels mm-hmm. so real, especially with the awkwardness of the situation where everybody's kind of going, I don't I don't know. They kind of make a couple jokes about trying like lighten up everything and, you know, whether it works or not. And it mm-hmm. it's such a real moment that passes through so well for this movie with the acting and the writing and everything. It, it's one of the testaments of, you know, the director and the writers for this movie to pull that kind of human emotion for something that is so difficult to talk about. Yeah, I, I, I would definitely agree. So when you're talking about a movie like this, right, you know, you and another thing, too, is that Nando, um, who was played by Ethan Hawke in the film, uh, the real Nando. He was like the technical advisor for the film, too. So he was, you know, on set, you know, kind of giving them, you know, kind of just just um, you know, give it input on set on like how would you would act in a situation like this. So the dialogue mm. that we got here, you know, I imagine is the real dialogue that was said between these people as you're oh, dealing yeah. with this. Now, I would say because this is still kind of a 90s film, you still got those moments of like. I don't want to say jarring tonal shifts, but there there's certain moments in the music score where I'm like, it, it sounds a little like, you know, whimsical in a 90s way. And I'm like, it, it, it's, it's hard kind of like tackling a subject like this. And, and, you know, you're still bringing out the humanity, but still trying to be wary of trying to like have some like uh, offsetting tonal shifts. Like, did, did you get that, too, or was that just me? I, I kind of got that for some scenes. It didn't happen too often in this movie, but right, I remember right. there is one scene that happens, like, right after everything's terrible, and then they're kind of just like, oh, yeah, snowball fight. It's like, no, that's not <laughs> how it works. But at the same time, it this is a 90s movie, and right. when it comes to something like this, you can't have it be just complete depression 
or else people are going to be walking out of the theaters just going, I, I don't, I don't like that at all. That didn't make me feel good at whatsoever. Even right, right. though it has a somewhat happy ending with some of the people surviving and everything like that. If everything there is just a downward slope up until that point, you'd still be walking out of the theater going, I don't feel so good. I don't, I don't like this. Right, right. I hear what you're saying. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't mind the bobsled moment. I thought that was kind of cute. Uh, it would just be like in other moments throughout the film. I was like, all right, the score is kind of a little, little off putting. Mm-hmm. It does. It's not matching the energy of what's happening here. But, um, I want to say that that moment where the the storm happens and and the oh, snowstorm yeah. kind of like barrages inside the uh the the section of the plane they're in uh that's a very claustrophobic scene where you're trying to literally dig up bodies through snow to see who's still alive mm-hmm. not only that but they had been trapped inside of the plane by the snow and they didn't know which way was where. Because mm-hmm. they were literally trapped in a tube that was covered in every direction. And they had limited air because they were trapped underneath the snow as well. Until somebody managed to poke through and get some some capacity of airflow through the top of the plane by kicking out a window. And even then, when they like go through it it's still a blizzard outside. Like they can't go outside. They're still stuck in this plane. That's buried in the snow now. And it's like everything that happened that they survived is so incredible that they survived because the odds of all of this is astronomical for everything that they went through. Like every bit of this is like, Oh no, there's no way that they would survive this. Like if this was being made as a movie as like a thriller movie, with it not being based on a true event, the entire time I'd probably be watching this like a Fast and Furious going, there's no way they'd survive that. There's just, you're going to tell me that they survived an entire blizzard after having an avalanche, like collapse the entire plane that they're sleeping in and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like the movie, um, and we're going to talk about contrasting with the with the next film we're talking about here. But I feel like, you know, it lets us know what day we're on, like, OK, day, mm-hmm. day nine, day 16, stuff like that. But, um, you know, yeah, you, you're not going to tell me after an avalanche like that, you're just going to get out so easily. But I understand with the way the script is written, you know, we, we, we got to get moving along here. We got more story to kind of cover. Right. Um, so it, it, it leads to a little bit of disconnect. But uh, there's still that, you know, moment of sadness there where. You know, you got the husband and wife who have been together this whole time. And, um, you know, this, this this film sets it up for this. Right. You know, where, you know, she's like, uh, it's like, I can't wait to see our kids again. He's like, you'll, you'll see them again. We're going to make it through this. But, you know, you're you're going to have to eat like you're you're going to have to eat. I don't want to do it either, but you're going to have to eat. Mm-hmm. She She's like, OK, dear, I'll, I'll eat. And then the snowstorm happens and, and you know, she she gone. Yeah, Uh, when that scene happened, it basically was like the cop going, it's my last day on the job and then I finally get to retire. And it's like, oh, you're you're trying to pull at something here, aren't you? Right, exactly. You got the music playing. You knew something was about to happen. Right. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So basically, when it comes to the dynamic here, you know, I really like the dynamic between Ethan Hawke and Josh Hamilton, who plays Roberto. Um. You know, because they're they're kind of push and pull, right? Nando is more kind of like, you know, uh, this is what we're going to do. We have to do it. Roberto was like, let's just take it easy. You know, like, 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 yes, we're going to make the trek, but let's just take it easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have uh, impulse versus intuition. And I, I like the push and pull between them in the film. Yeah. I, I would say that it's not so much intuition. It's a lot of fear as well mm-hmm. on Roberto's okay. part of, you know, he, he knows that they need to make this trek, but it's pulling yourself together to make it because it's, it's seen as like a death kind of trip. Mm-hmm. Like the chance of them making it across the Andes to civilization, it using a sleeping bag that is put together using material that they use to keep pipes from freezing over in planes it's insane. 
So every time that they're like, okay, we have the sleeping bags, like it's definitely not ready yet. We we have to keep doing it. And I think it's more nerves than yeah. anything that keeps them back. Because it, especially with the way that, you know, Josh Hamilton plays the character it, where he's kind of always drifting off of mm-hmm. like staring out into the abyss and just every time something comes up and he's just is lost in his thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I, I can hear you on that. But uh, yeah, you got some great character development here with these um with these roles here. And, you know, this is just like more of a, a real thing here. Like, can you imagine, you know, they were out there for 72 days. Yeah, you know, that's two months and some change. Like, that's that's ridiculous. Um, that's horrible. You, you're in the mountains for two months and some change. Like that's wow. That, that, that's a hell of a struggle right there. Yeah. Well, not only that, but after I think it was uh, like 11 days or so, all Mm -hmm. search missions to try and find them had stopped. Like they had declared that they were all dead and there was no reason to go looking for them at all. And that's, that's an insane thing to hear on a radio because by this point they got a radio working that they could listen to transmissions, but they couldn't send anything that all search efforts have completely been stopped and they're considered dead to their friends, their family and everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I completely uh, agree with what you're saying there. Um, yeah, man, all in all, you know, with the ending, you know, with John Malkovich topping it all off, you know, saying like, you know, like, uh, you know, the, when we, when we went back there, we buried them under kind of like a rock mountain with a cross on top. Mm -hmm. And then you hear that, you know, beautiful opera song playing as we kind of like, you know, like pan around the cross. Uh, I thought that was a beautiful ending. I thought that was a beautiful ending and, uh, it topped everything off very well. Um, now, before we go into our ratings here, is there anything else you want to say about this film? Uh, not that I can think of. Uh, the There is the one scene where they're trying to fix the radio and everything. And I love that the guy that is trying to fix it is just like, look, man, I, I used to do stuff like this with my brother, but we had instructions. And still, even then, we didn't do very good at fixing stuff. So I don't know what you're expecting from me. And they're just so supportive of him while he's just being like, I can't, I can't do this, man. I don't know what you want from me. You know, it's all wires. Right. (laughs) I like how he, dude, he had the most punchable face the whole movie. Like he always had that kind of like, that kind of like pouty frown on his face. Like he, he seemed like a good guy, but he always had a pouty frown. Like, oh man, why do we have to? Why are you getting me involved with this? I don't want this, man. (laughs) Right. Was he the guy that were they were walking back to the plane and he said, I can't do it. And then Ethan Hawk grabbed him and said, It's just ten steps. I, I think that's him, yeah. I believe that was the same guy. I know that's not meant to be a funny scene, but I was like, that's a funny scene. Yeah, it, it's it, this there is some humor in just how insane of a situation they're in and the way that these people react to it in such a real way it it brings that that it feels real and that's you know it's kind of funny the way that they're attacking some of these problems yeah 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 this has always been known as kind of like a uh a classic action adventure movie uh fact-based of course but um, yeah, man. Looking at it today, second watch, I would give this a very strong four out of five. Uh, I give this one a three point five. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> you want you want to expand on that? <laughs> uh, it, to me, it the acting is great. The way that the plot goes is great, and everything like that. But it, mm-hmm. there is a lot of like Hollywooded esque parts to add like drama to this and the way that certain things are played out where it's it's an insane story of what's going oh, yeah. on and what these people are dealing with and everything like that and the way that they kind of play around with some of the things it just feels off on it at times mm-hmm. where it, they do kind of make it a, a little bit too 
jokey at times, in my opinion, mm-hmm. with some of the dialogue and everything. And then you have the moments where it's like trying to pull a tearjerker moment, like with the wife and, you know, the one guy right before the avalanche and stuff like that, where it's like, ah, yeah. OK. And then it overall like that moment is put there. Yeah. But yeah, it, gotcha. it and then overall, like a lot of the movie is pretty forgettable or it blends into itself. Like you have a couple key moments like them talking about the cannibalism and deciding on that. You have the avalanche, you have them fixing the radio, you have them leaving. But beyond that, there's uh, every other moment the dialogue kind of all falls into itself and everything else is just it, it's not as memorable. Okay. Okay. I get what you're saying there. Um, you know, my point is like, uh, well, I guess my, my perspective is like, you know, it's a 90s film and I kind of took it as that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I gave it a little grace. I said, OK, you're going to have the kind of tonal shift type of moments with this type of film, you know, and I feel like with me giving it grace, I feel like with what the with the with the material they had at hand that they handled, uh, they handled it well for what they could. You know what I mean? For for a 90s Hollywood movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. It, it's it's a decent movie. It's it's above average. I three point five. I think it's a good score for it. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. All right, all right, awesome. All right, folks, we're gonna move on to the next one here. And that brings us to the newer movie following this story, Society of the Snow, directed by Juan Antoni- Antonio Bayona. We have the new Netflix movie that uh, is this one is actually in Spanish that is Mm -hmm. with subtitles and everything following the same events of the Uruguayan flight 571 that got lost in the Andes. This time, though, we have a more cultural representation for the cast that follows the actual people that were in this accident, as we had mentioned previously. But this one starts off a little bit differently. Instead of giving us a full monologue uh, from the perspective of one of the survivors, we have that monologue this time interposed with shots of the team as they're playing rugby and everything. As this one kind of has more of a show of the people than the accident, where Alive basically had a focus on here's the accident and here's everything that happened. This one is more focused on the people and the relationships between them as we get a lot more dialogue and a lot more character between them, as well as the way that they interacted prior to this event and how that focuses into the way that they interacted during it as well. So, Oh yeah. The entirety of this one is a lot more character driven which does give it a different perspective from the previous movie we mentioned Mm -hmm. with alive but at the same time a lot of the events are still presented in the same way where we have the plane crash we have them going through all the luggage trying to find any scraps that they have to survive them going through the idea of you know, everybody is looking for them to everybody has stopped looking for them, dealing with the avalanche, dealing with trying to find the tail of the plane so they can get to the batteries in order to try and get a radio working. Everything like that is still present in this movie. All the beats. But with this one, they take a lot more time to focus on the people as they're going through these events instead of what these events actually hold for them. I, yeah, I don't think I could have said it any better. Um, you know, this film right here, you, you, you just like you said, right? It, it covers all the beats. Uh, both films are, um, you know, based on the, um, you know, the the book uh, made by, um, well, not really, but they're both based on um, the 1972 Andes flight disaster, right? This one happens to be an adaptation of uh, Pablo uh, Virsi's book, whereas the uh, the 1993 film was an adaptation of Paul Reed's book. Uh, both books covering, you know, what happened. Uh, but anyway, with this film right here, right, I'd say J.A. Bayona as a director, the, the way he handles this material, um, of course, more of a cultural representation, but it's, it's more of a poetic pace to it as well. Mm-hmm. And um, it's treated more seriously. It's not Hollywooded up. Um, this is treat. This is treated with urgency here. Like, yeah. like if I 
if I saw this film first before I saw Alive, I'd uh, I'd probably have a different perspective on Alive. But this film right here, it really treats it as like this is really about survival. Um, and I want to say one thing as we're going about this here. The cinematography when they're in the mountains is just breathtakingly beautiful. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just... You know, for for such a horrific um, thing that happened, you you got some gorgeous, beautiful cinematography here. The music score is uh, stirring with what with, what with what's actually going on. Michael uh, Giacchio's Giacchino's score. I hope I'm saying his name right. Uh, mixed with J O B J A Bayona's directing. Um, it's it's just a great matrimony right there. But the thing I like about this movie is just. It, it puts you in a claustrophobic situation from the moment of the uh, the plane crash. You got like claustrophobic close up shots of faces. Uh, it, it does get gory. You know, again, this isn't a Hollywooded up type of movie. It, it, it puts you in the zone of what's going on. And when it comes to moments of desperation, you know, it, I'm not going to say it's graphic, but it's 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 you. um you get a re- you get a realistic look at what's going on. Like mm-hmm. one thing that wasn't even mentioned in Alive, I don't think, is that one of the boys says, "Like, dude, we we got to get some nourishment. My 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 urine is black. My pee is yeah. black." And then you got moments where you you see them urinate. I'm like, oh my goodness, that doesn't look good. You know, close up shots of them eating the leather. This is all before they turn to cannibalism. Like you you, J J A Bayona puts you in the mode of like this is like. This is survival here. This is being, this is where you're about to die. Yeah. Yeah. There's a much bigger input of watching these characters versus here's the events that they're going through and everything. And Mm -hmm. one of the ways that it's best to kind of show or talk about the differences between Alive and Society of the Snow is the events with that couple that is trying to survive Mm. in this and everything like that where in alive as we talked they drum up a lot of emotion and everything for it in this one we don't see that same relationship with them we see them talk and everything like that interspersed throughout it but as the avalanche hits we don't have this focus on them until later with the you know, father that survives in that relationship talking about how, you know, he was pressed up against his wife under the snow, knowing that if he moved, he would be crushing her. But if he didn't move, he would suffocate under the snow. And so would she. And going through Mm -hmm. the entire discussion of what do you do in that situation and him coming to terms with what he had to do because it, it was the only way to save both of them was to risk hurting her in order to find a way to get out of the snow so he could then get her, but obviously it was too late for that. And it's such a more impactful way of presenting it that way than in Alive, because you have the aftermath of it. There's no lead-up going, oh, this this is going to lead to a sad moment. You're just getting these characters the same way as every other character. They don't have a huge focus on them. And then this moment comes where they're talking, and they don't even put a huge focus on their conversation either. It's just like every other conversation in this movie of everybody talking about everything that they're going through. They're treating them as a society. Everybody's yep. a society here. And it's not a manipulated emotional moment. You know what I mean? It's it's it, the the film takes it as it is. Like, you know, like, okay, this person, these these this couple, if you if you never saw a live, right? You just acknowledge that, okay, there's an adult couple here on this flight with them. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, Oh man, the wife is gone. And then you get that very hard hitting emotional moment where the husband has that one on one. Uh, with you know one of the other survivors and says like I I had that that bad that tough choice to make, yeah. And then it does hit you even harder. Uh, I like the way the film handled that for sure. Oh yeah, and it handles a lot of the situations in the same way where instead of it trying to pull an emotional string on one event that happened and having like a central focus of it be there, it, it allows every moment to go by going look every single person in this situation is going through something else and there's no moment where they're kind of going oh no this person has it worse off than this person 
it's look, they're all in this terrible situation together. Mm hmm. Yeah. And it gives the it gives the moments room to breathe, too. Right. Because mm -hmm. like one of the most um, biggest differences between this film and Alive is that when the avalanche crash happens, you're, you're, you're with these guys in the bunker as they don't know a way out. Yeah. I mean, you're 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 in there with these guys and you, you see them. You see them sweating. You see their, their faces getting more and more slim and hollow. Like you're 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 suffering with them to the point where, you know, one of the survivors kind of just loses it. And kind of just punches a wall until he finally like cracks it open and then, you know, crawls through and, you know, oh, sunlight. And then there's that moment where everybody kind of climbs out. And, you know, it's like this film takes its time to get to have you in the zone with what's going on. Oh, yeah, it it definitely makes you feel a lot. Like you said before, this one makes you feel claustrophobic. You know, mm -hmm. this one makes you feel because we're constantly seeing scenes where they're all huddled together inside of this, you know, half of a plane in order to stay warm as possible during these nights and everything in the cold and everything. And we don't get that same kind of shot and feeling in Alive, where we normally see them outside of the plane and they're very spread apart and this one, it feels like there's barely enough room in that plane for these people that are surviving right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you got you got moments like that. You got the moments of, uh, you know, the trek upward and everything like that. Everything is taken with, um, you know, extreme cautiousness and extreme uh, danger. Mm -hmm. And I, I, a thing I like is that every time someone passes, right, the film takes a moment to like on the side tell you. This is the person who died. This is the age in which they died. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like that slow progression of like the avalanche. You just got name after name after name popping up. And it's just so it's just a sad thing to witness. Um, but, you know, it, again, it's keeping you in tune with what's happening. Like it's, it's mm -hmm. reminding you that these were these are names. These are people that right. actually passed in this. Yeah. These aren't just um, characters in the story. These are real people yeah. that had to go through this and lost their lives, sadly, during these events. Yeah. And um, and, and there's moments in this film where there's there's room for humor. Right. You know, mm -hmm. but it, it, it's not humor. That's um, I don't think the humor in the live was forced, but it's not humor that comes at a tonal shift. It's humor that comes like natural, like, you know, like with humanity. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I think at one point, um. You know, the, the team leader kind of lines everybody up like, uh, you know, uh, like I think he was like establishing some rules or something. Like that. And I think the husband said like, uh, oh, I'm OK. I'm I'm, I'm not obnoxious. And uh, what, what he said, he says, I'm, I'm just nauseous. And then one of the boys said, not to me. And then everyone yeah. starts laughing, you know. Yeah, they you know. have their little like moments and everything like they have the poetry session in the cabin right. of the plane and stuff like that, where it's like, yeah, it's not trying to like be a oh look we can be funny and quirky kind of moment it's it, right, they're right. trying to find some way to keep their spirits uplifted you got to you you got to in this kind of in this kind of situation and um you know going from that um something i loved was that uh you know it, you know we could talk about like the missing pieces in between too but like um i love like towards the end right when it comes to kind of like um the boys making it over mm -hmm. i love how you know we we get the rescue and um you got that tense moment where uh the young man is like uh no i'm i'm not leaving without this suitcase and they say oh, listen yeah. it's too you, you can't bring it on and he sits on it like i'm not leaving without the suitcase it's a tense moment and then the guy flying is like, come on, kid. It's fine. Come on. You can bring it. Yeah. Um, and I love how afterwards we actually follow them. You know, we follow them reuniting with family. You know, the doctors cleaning them up, you know, taking showers, you know, trying to eat something. Like, you know, we, we follow them actually trying to heal themselves and like being welcomed by the, the, the community. Yeah. Yeah. And it needs to be said, like, the moment where he has the briefcase that he will not let go. The reason he won't let go is because those are the mementos of the people that had passed away during mm -hmm. this entire ordeal that they were in. And he refused to leave that behind because 
this is the part of them that can survive and come along mm-hmm. with them. And he doesn't want to let that go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I love that moment where uh, one of the fathers of the survivors, he's uh, he's on the phone with, um, I don't know if it's a reporter or somebody, but he's like, uh, he says, I, give me the names of the survivors. He says, okay, I'm going to say them to you. No, he, he the guy on the phone says, give me the names of the survivors and uh, be sure to repeat them as you're saying them. And as he's saying each name twice, the the film just kind of like has a close up on each person that survived this. And I thought, man, that's just such a that's just such a touching moment, dude. It's oh, yeah. like you feel like in a live, you're you're you know you're relieved when they they make it in the end, right? But in this film, you feel like you survived through the through the trenches with them, right? You know what I mean? It, it, there's a yeah. lot more impact with it seeing everybody kind of like make it through this. And I would say like the only fault on this one with the acting and everything like that is we don't have a standout person in this one that we're following and everything like in a live, we're mostly following the portrayal of the movie through the eyes of uh, what was his name? Nando. Yeah, I, I say in this one, we're mostly following Numa. I mean, we follow everybody. It's an ensemble piece. But um, but I feel like Numa is kind of like a little bit of the heart. He's he's kind of like the young face that we're following throughout the film. I wouldn't say he's the main character, but he's kind of like the center of it all, so to speak. Right. I I, I kind of see what you're saying with that one, but mm-hmm. even then, he really doesn't have. There are some moments where he's more of the focus. But at the same mm-hmm. time, this one, it, the focus is so spread on everybody, making sure that everybody is seen that it, it does lack that, you know, detail of following something from one person's perspective that we got in alive. Mm-hmm. I get what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know if that bothered you as much, but it was kind of one of those things where as this movie progressed, it was like, OK, are we going to get like a central focused person to like be following to kind of be able to get their internal thoughts and their kind of monologue through this and everything like that. And instead it just um, kind of kept going through everybody, which is nice that it gave everybody a opportunity to stand out to shine, and everything yeah. like that. But it makes it hard to kind of get attached to any of these characters because as soon as their scenes up, it's on to the next one. I didn't have a problem with that. Okay. I didn't have a problem with that. It made it more of a naturalistic approach. You know what I'm saying? This is this is a group of survivors. We're not mm-hmm. focusing on just one person. I feel like that made it more realistic on J.A. Bayona's part. Like, okay. okay, I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna have, we're gonna interact with everybody here because this this is a team thing that happened here. Mm-hmm. So I, I I wasn't that bothered by that. Um yeah, man, when it's all said and done, then you got that poetic ending where, you know, you got the narrator talking to the audience like, uh, you know, be kind to each other. You know, remember what we went through, you know, the society of the snow. Mm-hmm. I said, uh, that's just a great needle drop, man. Like yeah, that, that's just a perfect needle drop. They're all in the in the hospital beds laughing, hugging each other. It's it's just beautiful. Um, yeah, dude, I uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this film here. And I uh, I got to say, this was a film that, you know two hours plus minutes uh longer than alive but my my attention was was on throughout the whole movie i uh i give this one a 4.5 i think this was like near perfect i i give this one a four and yeah like i said the only real thing that just makes this one like a lot of things on this one are done so much better than alive but at the same time that fact that it doesn't have the ability that you get to know any of these characters as deeply as you do in a live, it, it is a point that makes it a little bit harder for me because yes, you're glad to see all these characters make it out and everything like that, but you don't get those same character interactions where it's like, I, I feel like I know the characters in alive as they're getting toward the end, or at the very least, I know like a handful of them and I don't know all of them. This one, it, it ends and it feels like I don't really know any of the characters as intimately. Mm-hmm. 
I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. In my mind, on the other side, of that, I feel like it was an ensemble piece, mm-hmm. and I got to know all of the characters. Like we we were in a we were in a um, progression of going from one character to the next because it felt like we were with this with this team rather than like focusing on one character over the other. I I I, I like that on my end. Okay, gotcha. Uh, so you know. I think it goes without saying here, folks. Uh, Society of the Snow wins the edge out here. Um, Alive is a good movie on its own. It is. But Society of the Snow is just it just it just was that uh, it gave you that intensity um, and that, you know, somberness that you needed for for this type of story. Yeah, it's a completely different tone. And though they follow the same kind of path of the Uruguayan flight 571 and telling the story of the survivors in the Andes, it, the way that they tell these stories is so vastly different that they are two very different movies when it comes down to it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, um, dude, I got to ask you, man, uh, moving into after show, man, uh, I recently saw night swim. Uh, I I posted the review on 8bitwaffles.com for all our listeners, you know, if you want to read it. Uh, solid film, you know, so, solid horror movie. It's, uh, it, mm. it's, you're really watching it for like Wyatt Russell and um, Carrie Condon because they're they're pretty good in the roles. But it, it's a solid kickoff. It's a solid popcorn horror movie kickoff uh, for the new year. Right. You know, um, you, you got uh, Blumhouse uh, teaming up with Atomic Monster. And uh, so, you know, this is a this is a new era for them uh, joining up as a production team. So I'm, I'm interested to see what else they come out with this year. But going from that, I want to know, did you watch the Cat Williams interview with Shannon Sharp? I have not. Oh, man. Have you at least heard about it? I did not. This is typically when oh, it comes wow. to like events and stuff that uh, you bring up. I've at least heard of it. But I didn't know what what was the focus of this because I know Cat Williams and I know right. how he is in interviews, so I can only assume where this went. Oh, <laughs> uh, dude! So Cat Williams did a um he he did an interview. He was on a uh, Shannon Sharp's podcast, Club Shay Shay. You know who Shannon Sharp is, right? I, it, by name, not really, but I'm sure that I've know of her by oh. other stuff. It's a, it's it's a he. Uh, oh, he, former okay. f- former football player. He used to have the uh, the show with Skip Bayless, Undisputed. Uh, oh, okay. You know him if you saw him. Yeah, yep, yeah. I, I know Undisputed. So, okay, gotcha, gotcha. So he has a podcast, right? He's he's no longer on Undisputed. He's doing this podcast, interviewing like celebrities and stuff. So this last episode, he had uh Cat Williams on there, and it's a uncensored, uncut. It's a two hour uh. 45 minute pod, uh interview but it it flows uh for like one tenth of that with with all the stuff cat williams is saying so pretty much it's him like responding to all the stuff other comedians have said about him like you know ricky smiley cedric the entertainer steve harvey those mm-hmm. a little bit of stray shots at tyler perry and stuff but basically it's just a wild hilarious compelling two hour plus interview where cat williams just you know he just goes in and it's, you know, Cat Williams is such a compelling person to interview because you follow his stories. Oh, like yeah. You, you follow the stories that he tells. And, um, you know, same thing with his comedy. You know, you follow his story when he's on stage telling a story or whatever, something like that. And he's always funny in a movie. But uh, I would I would recommend you to watch it, man. It's all over the Internet. It, only a person like Cat Williams can get every comedian to come out and say, uh, excuse me. Uh, that's not how that happened. And, uh, you know, he, he's lying and, you know, and, um, you know, he throws shots at Kevin Hart cause you know, they've always had a feud together, but it's just, it's a great interview, man. I, I, I would love for you to watch it and give me your thoughts on it. Okay. Yeah. Cause I do like Cat Williams standup specials and everything. And it, it's mm-hmm. funny that you say that he's a storyteller because when it comes to like his standup specials, I don't see him telling jokes as much as him telling stories, that right. just happened to be funny. He falls right. very much in line with like the way that Mike Birbiglia's comedy is, where it's not telling jokes, it's just telling stories that happen to be funny. Right, exactly. And and it's no different with this interview. Of course, it's more in, in conversationalist type, but uh yeah, I would I would recommend it, man. Definitely give it a watch. 
Okay. Uh, for sure, for sure. Now, have you seen anything lately? Uh, lately, I haven't caught any movies yet for this year. Uh, so far, I'm looking forward to the Book of Clarence coming out later this week and everything to catch that one. I believe that's later this week. And mm. then, but right now, I did start a newer anime that has started coming out called Undead Unluck, which is a okay. pretty funny one. And okay. the basic premise of that one, it's pretty interesting. And it's what got my attention is the idea of people having powers that are, you know, it, they undo something in the world. So mm. one person's power is that he it takes away his ability to die. So he's basically an immortal being that can get hacked up, cut up, everything like that. But he never dies no matter what happens mm. to him. And another character that he meets that their thing is they take away somebody's luck, which causes them to have extreme bouts of unluck, which normally kills people. So he sees okay. this as an opportunity for him to finally die is by having such a case of unluckiness or his luck being taken away from him to kill him. And that's like the premise of these two being together and everything, which I, I love that concept of having this person that comes off as just very cocky because he can't die being like, oh, wait, this person actually might be able to give me a death now. And mm. this person that, you know, is able to take people's luck away from them because this is their power. They find it very hard to have, like, connections with people because mm -hmm. as soon as they do, it they pretty much die. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that sounds interesting. That definitely sounds interesting. I'll, uh, I'll give that. So you said it's Undead Dead? Uh, undead Unluck is the name of that one. Okay, alright, awesome. Okay, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Uh, an animated series that catches my eye that people just can't stop talking about, uh, Blue Eye Samurai on Netflix looks uh, very beautiful. Oh yeah, I've heard a lot about that one. I want to give that one a watch, man. It, uh, it, looks, it, looks, it looks gorgeous, so I want to give that a, a shot. Yeah, I think that might be something that I actually check out because I still have keep forgetting to cancel my Netflix subscription ever since Scott Pilgrim. So I, I'm still stuck with Netflix for the time being. <laughs> they got you locked in, right? And it, it ain't going to be until you get one of those apps or technology that kind of reminds you to cancel subscriptions. Right. You're going to be like, damn it, it's a new year. I mean, it's a new month. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll keep it on. Might as well. <laughs> I got you. I got you. All right. Awesome. All right, folks. Um, well, this has been another great episode of a uh, double feature versus, uh, you know, uh, thank you for joining us on this one. It's a new year, you know, a new uh, group of movies. And uh, yeah, remember to like, share and subscribe, you know, let us know your thoughts, you know, what you think wins out between these two films. And uh, we will catch you on the next one.